Hello, Blackhawks fans, and welcome into the Four Feathers postgame show. I am Johnny Nani. I've got Ron Luce with me tonight. We're discussing a Blackhawks 4-3 shootout loss. Tough one to lose tonight, but uh, we'll get into all the details of it before we do. Uh, Ron, formal introductions here. How are we doing, man? You know, I'm doing good. Um, it was still a fun Hawks game to watch. Obviously, it sucks watching them lose. Nonetheless, as you mentioned, we will dive into that here shortly, but... Um, you know, Johnny, any night that there's Blackhawks hockey is a good night for me. So I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Yeah, entertaining game. This thing kept you uh, wired from, uh, you know, opening face-off to the final shootout goal here. Um, I would definitely say a little bit of a lull in the second period. But we'll get to that in our breakdown. Uh, before we do, make sure you, the listener, are going to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Four Feathers Pod and at ONTAP Sportsnet. If you enjoy the podcast, please go subscribe, rate, and review wherever you prefer to listen to your podcast. So, Ron, uh, let's get in, break in uh, with initial thoughts here. Like I mentioned, 4-3 shootout loss, uh, tough one to lose, some unbelievable individual performances in here, uh, a couple of return ease. Um, just uh, hit me with uh, your overall overarching thoughts from this one. Yeah, quick overarching thoughts. I think, um, you know, as a team game, just kind of in general, I think the team played pretty well tonight. Um, obviously, uh, the if you watch, you know, the Corsi numbers, Hawks definitely controlled play in that first period, um, despite, you know, a 2-2 tie going into the, the first intermission. But, you know, even in, in the, the last two periods, you know, even though Corsi was dominated by the Hurricanes, you know, the Hawks, you know, stood tall. And they took this thing all the way to a shootout, which was great. Um, as you mentioned, a lot of good individual performances. I'll save those for, you know, the back end. But, you know, nice having some uh, familiar faces back tonight uh, in Bodine and Debrinket. And uh, I think just the team kind of got a little bit of that kind of, you know, shock in the arm from getting those guys back, too. I think they played overall really well. I mean, this is a good Carolina Hurricanes team. Uh, it would just it would have been nice to get out with a win. I think they absolutely could have won this game. But. At the end of the day, you know, uh, W's or, you know, w- what was tonight's game is, is certainly something that there are positives that can be taken away from it. Yeah, I would say, you know, the, the compete level, I think that's the biggest thing you're talking about from a good game standpoint. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes are a superior hockey team. Let's get this out in the open here before we even start diving into this one. Um, and they absolutely could have run away with this down the home stretch uh, because when you go and look at some of the uh, just shot disparities uh, in the middle frame to the especially in the third period, um, th- this one could have been a lot uglier. Um, say someone else was in net. So uh, Mr. Lykanen will, will be a big topic of discussion here. Uh, Nick Bodine, uh, you know, off the COVID list back in the lineup. Uh, luckily, he didn't have it. Uh, it was just a one-game absence for him. Uh, it was his welcome to the show game. Uh, that's how I'll dub it here. And then, uh, you know, we missed you, Debrinkit. Good to have him back. He was a factor tonight. And uh, some resilience, though, from the Hawks. You fall down 2-0. Um, you also uh, have to come back in the third period uh, from one goal deficit. So they did that despite getting out played in that third period and um you know 
this, it, like you said, the season of silver linings here. Um, no, no one's expecting this team to make the playoffs, at least I would hope. Uh, you better temper them if, if that's your thoughts. But uh, Hawks have recorded at least one point in seven of their last eight games, um, but obviously only three outright straight-up wins where they get the two. Um, so, you know, bet need some better finish there, a little in the technical aspects of the shootout and the overtime period. But, hey, goaltending's helping you get there. Uh, it's at least helping you string together some points and give you a little bit of confidence. So, uh, those are my initial thoughts. Uh, let's break in. Um, first period, uh, like I mentioned, Bodine getting a little active early. This would end up being a big game for him, uh, ice time wise, um, because he he ended up eclipsing the 20 minute mark, I believe. Yeah, just over what, one second over at 20:01 in this one. So that was just an early takeaway there. Um, uh, getting into the scoring though, uh, Shmetchkov uh, for Carolina beats. Uh, Kevin Lankinen on a feed from uh, Jordan Stahl. Um, there was, you know, kind of Zadorov and Bodine. They were initially playing together. They kind of got sucked to one side. Uh, Shvachnikov gets a step uh, on camp on the back door. And boom, there you go. Uh, Canes are off and running early in this one, Ron. Yeah. Um, especially after that goal, it just, it was kind of that moment of, ah, here we go again. You know, a more superior team coming in and playing better than the Hawks. But I mean, Again, Sveshnikov, great player. I think just, you know, again, like you said, this Canes team is superior to the Hawks. And they were fully healthy. They got four guys back tonight in the lineup. Um, Fogel being one of those guys, uh, you know, after some COVID issues, you know, for themselves. So, you know, they were they were at almost 100% strength, which obviously is something the Blackhawks can't say with guys like Doc and Taves out of the lineup. And uh, it was kind of expected, admittedly. Um so once it happened, it was like, all right, they got it out of the way. You know, hopefully they can crawl their way back into this one. And um, it is what it is. But, you know, Sveshkov, great player, good goal for them. Uh, tough, tough play there for Lankinen uh, at the end of the day. And, you know, they just they kept it moving. Yeah, so um, like I mentioned, uh, Bodine and Zadorov were, were the ones on the ice defenseman-wise for there. After this, um, it would go into a complete just – plunder of trying to change pairs, see yeah. who would work with who. So that was about the end of the Bodine with Zadorov experiment. Um, and unfortunately, Mr. Zadorov, uh, not too reliable here early on. I'd said he's both good and bad, a lot of bad lately. So that, that is not, yeah. uh, and not what you're looking for. But uh, as we roll through this first period, Lincoln and using the poke check again, I said, very, very sneaky, sir. Ever going Mr. Deeds line here. Uh, <laughs> that's what it is. We, we talked about it, Ron, you and I on uh, Sunday night when we were discussing this, um, just a little bit of an extra element to his game maybe that's something that he's like settling into uh but yeah it, it did deny a chance early on in here so like i mentioned the line blenders in effect pairs uh kind of go uh off the rails after this um blackhawks eventually get a power play chance at the 832 mark um hamilton takes a slashing penalty on kubalik um you know Unfortunately, Blackhawks were not able to get one going on this one. But like I mentioned, uh, this welcome to the show game for Nick Bodine. Uh, getting some power play time here. Uh, he ended up totaling uh, 130 on the power play tonight. He and Duncan Keith being the only defenseman uh, to play any power play time tonight. Keith with about 31 seconds more uh, than Bodine. But, um, you know, uh, it was just the Hawks were not able to convert on that first one. Um, and then uh, Dahan he had a chance where he's walking in Ron uh, and I would have loved to see him maybe take a shot earlier. Um, but he got in too close, got handcuffed and was poke checked away by stall. Uh, I think he kind of surprised himself with how much space he had there. Yeah. I feel like that happens to guys sometimes too. Right. Especially, especially you know, right? Ex exactly. Especially defensemen, but even, you know, even forwards too. Right. I mean, 
you know, the NHL game is so fast and it's so tight, right, in terms of how much space you have and how much time you have to get off a chance that in those rare moments when you do have more than maybe a split second or a second or two, you kind of almost like overthink the situation. I think a lot of guys can relate to that. I think a lot of people in general can relate to that, right? Like if you give yourself too much time to think about something, you're going to overthink it. And I think that's exactly what happened there, uh, you know, for Mr. DeHaan. It's, it's unfortunate, but um, it was at least nice seeing them get chances, you know, early in this one, despite Carolina feeling like they had the edge early on in this game. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and as we move on, then after that, it sucks. I wish you could have buried one there um, or at least given it a better look or an actual you know, shot on net there. But um, Stahl uh, feeds Fogel uh, on, you know, out in front of the net uh, to make this thing two O'Kane's uh, Pia Suter, a uh, rookie moment here, Ron. Um, just kind of a lack of awareness. I think Eddie O said it best. He's kind of mesmerized by the puck uh, on this Kane second goal. But uh, either way, the feeling after this is, ah, shit. You know, the superior team coming in, like how far is this thing? going to spiral out of control um you know is this going to undo any progress that they've had so far um that's what it felt like there uh, but blackhawks would not be done in this one very eventful first period uh, as we're moving on so matthew highmore draws a holding penalty um by flurry for the canes at the 16 27 mark um and the second unit on this power play run just an unbelievable passing play. Um, I tweeted out from Four Feathers. Mesmerizing is not a word that I thought I would use to describe the Blackhawks' power play. But yet here we are, uh, because this really was. It, it was Bodine down to Kubalik, over to Suter, and then Suter uh, sends it right in front of the net for an opening uh, with Kurashev, and all he has to do is keep the stick on the ice and tap this thing in. How sweet was that, man? This gets the Hawks on the board uh, and gives them some momentum, uh, obviously, as what we're going to lead up to uh, in the next goal that's coming up. Yeah, I mean, sweet was just a perfect way to describe that play. They did they did such a good job setting that up, and I'm trying to find the tweet right now because somebody tweeted it, and forgive me on this, but... Very, very pleased, like you said, especially I think the most encouraging thing of the whole kind of scenario from this, I can't find it, it's okay, but is that it was the second power play unit. This isn't the first, this isn't your top guys, this isn't your, you know, guys you're leaning on this year like Patrick Kane and Alex DeBrinkett and even Andrew Shaw and Dylan Strom. It's it's that up-and-coming group, right? It's the Kurashevs, it's the Suiters. Kubalik is still kind of a tweener of that up-and-coming versus, you know, stalwart on the on the roster but you know and then Bodine again a guy that you mentioned tonight you know worth noting he played the third most amount of minutes of any defenseman tonight with a minute and a half of that being on the power play so it's nice to see that group come in the clutch also feels good that the man with three p's in his first name Mr. Philip Kershev uh scores a goal which makes my stick and click look really good so I, I couldn't complain about that it made me smile but what an incredible pass to play and like you said Johnny I mean the the stats back it this hawks power play despite this season being something a lot of hawks fans knew coming in was not going to be the greatest thing in the world this hawks power play has been something that has been a treat to watch and i really really hope it continues throughout the rest of the 56 game campaign uh campaign yeah i would have to go and look up the uh figures beforehand but i think they had been uh stoned on about uh maybe like nine chances previous to that obviously after their hot start that they got off to they had the little streak to begin the season that lasted what about seven six games something like that um but uh, either way uh, i feel like this could be something that helps get them back on track especially considering it was a second unit so uh just good to see that going by the power play once again uh if you just go and watch the highlight just uh 
tape tape passing. And it's beautiful. That's always a pretty thing in hockey. So um, Suter and Kubalik pick up the assists on Mr. Kershev's goal for that one. Nice to see uh, young guys involved all around. Hawks weren't done, though, uh, after this one. Uh, Patrick Kane capitalizes on a Jakob Slavin turnover in the slot. And uh, what I put out was uh, if you leave Patrick Kane alone in, in the slot with the puck, uh, you're going to have a bad time. Hurricanes had a bad time here. Uh, this came with about 18 seconds remaining, Ron. Last-minute goals in a period are cool and tough. They sure are, and exactly like you said, you cannot leave one of the best hockey players in the world wide open by himself with nobody giving him any any type of pressure in the slot. That's exactly what the Hurricanes allowed to happen. It's almost like if I'm a Hurricanes fan, I sit there and I kind of watch that happen, and I go, what the hell did y'all think was going to happen? It's Patrick Kane. Like, yeah, it's Patrick Kane. Patrick Kane's one of the best hockey players in the world, even, you know, at, you know, what, 32, 33 years old. It doesn't matter. He's... The dude's going to play till he's 50. He's going to be the next Chelios. He's going to be playing for the fucking <laughs> whatever this this year, whatever this generation of NHL equivalent is of the Atlanta Thrashers is what he's going to be playing for when he's 50 years old. But, I mean, what a beautiful play. Like you said, I, literally it was my exact thought when I, I watched the goal happen. I was just like, how do you give Patrick Kane that much time in the slot? Like, of any player on the fucking ice, that's the one dude you don't give that amount of time to in the slot. He's going to make you yeah. pay for shit. Yes, he does. Yeah, so it was a Slavin turnover, but hey, who, whoever is helping out um, coming down forward-wise or defenseman stepping up there, uh, when, you, when you see 88 there, uh, that, that's got to be a step up. But they didn't, luckily, for the Hawks, and uh, Kaner does what he does, uh, buries that. Uh, Debrinkit gets the primary assist on that. Like I mentioned, uh, momentum going in the locker room because this happened um, You know, with just about 18 seconds remaining in the period. So as we go on period two, um, I guess you could say a dull period of sorts just because it wasn't uh, as eventful as the first period provided very much so uh, for us. Um, but overall, you know, a much better period for the Carolina Hurricanes when you're talking uh, scoring chance possession wise, all of that good stuff. Um, they, uh, you know, it, it was fairly, I'd say fairly even for the most part when you're looking at, you know, four, six, even straight chances um, in favor of the Hurricanes there in the middle frame. Um, they got a bunch of more shot attempts off, but uh, it felt like, you know, um, it was kind of stalwart because there there was uh, chances on both sides because Canes came out a little bit hot uh, after, you know, probably disappointed about giving up a two goal lead um, after the first period. So they came out with a little jump. Hawks responded with a little bit of pushback at their own. I, I don't really have too much uh, to go from the second period. So, um, you know, to bring it had, had a nice chance with about, um, you know, just over 30 seconds left would have been nice for him to pick a corner there, uh, get a goal in his welcome back game here after missing some due to COVID. But, um, you know, that's about all I have. Uh, the only other thing, thing is that Strom, Kubelik, and Kat um, generating some good offense, but um, it's a volatile line, Ron. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of offensive, uh, you know, gifted talent there, no doubt, and to bring it and uh, Kubelik with their shots and Strom uh, with the vision playmaking ability. Uh, but a, you got to get those guys offensive zone starts. And luckily uh, that happened a decent amount of times tonight um, because they were able to generate some rushes there. You feel like he, they would not be out there as frequently um, if that wasn't happening. Um, but luckily Kaladin was able to see that, uh, make some adjustments and put them in, in a position to succeed because you start them in the D zone and you're asking for the puck to end up in the back of your net. Yeah, 100%. I mean, yeah, they, they, they really did. They had a lot of good chances tonight. Um, I agree with you there, though, about that is definitely not the defensive line by any means. Um, but, you know, if they're out there generating turnovers and you're in a tight game and what again, what we've kind of established is a you have nothing to lose type season for the Blackhawks. You might as well, you know, try and get some scoring prowess out there. 
let those guys work together. And again, tonight they looked really good. You mentioned the Debrinke kind of welcome back game. Looked really good in his welcome back game. So it was nice to see, especially after, you know, that four-game absence because of COVID-19 protocol. Um, certainly worth noting that Boakfist and Carpenter are still in the protocols, uh, despite Bodine and Walmart. Yep. And Walmart, despite Bodine and uh, Debrinke coming out of it. So it almost makes me think that those other three actually did test positive for COVID. Uh, and these guys were just contact tracing, making sure they didn't get it. They tested negative within the time window they deemed necessary, and they came back. But um, again, you know, like you said, uh, good seeing that chemistry from that line tonight, even though not the greatest defensive line, but if they're out there creating scoring chances and Tolleton feels comfortable enough putting him out there with a you know quality D pairing, then hell, fuck it, so be it. Right, so uh, my only other takeaway here from the second period uh, was that they were utilizing short passes to break out of the zone, uh, which I like. That means your support is close, um, and that means you're less likely to turn the puck over uh, as your guys are tired and you're exiting the zone. So um, that was my only other takeaway from the second period. Let's move on to the third, uh, where a little more action came. Soderberg sets up Shaw uh, early, but shot gets blocked. Uh, just one of those ones where, you know, they, you're so close out in front of the net. I really wish you could get one through, but uh, that was not the case. Um, Lankinen denies uh, Shveshnikov on a speedy rush in. Um, and then Blackhawks go to the uh, penalty kill for the first time in this game at the 4-11 mark of the third period. Uh, it was a Bodine interference penalty. I guess that comes with the territory. Uh, finally playing up uh, around that 20-minute mark. Probably bound to uh, get one there, especially for a young guy. But... Um, you know, th- this is a really solid kill run overall. And I know when they th- this came up and you saw the graphic that shoots across the bottom of the TV, Blackhawks ranked 18th in penalty kill um, overall. I think I've seen some stuff as of late that gives me a little bit more hope for that unit that they can improve and uh, breach levels of last year when they were like ninth overall. Yeah, absolutely agree. I think early on in this season, especially after playing Admittedly, two power play juggernauts in the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Florida Panthers in those first four games. I think it gave a lot of people some doubt, but I agree. I think over the last you know handful of games, whatever, now it's been the last, what, six or seven games now, um, there has been a lot of good coming from this unit. I think, obviously, you're, you're at your best when guys like Carpenter uh, are out there with guys like Camp, um, you know, obviously missing Jonathan Taves and whatnot, but... You know, this this roster's made up a lot of made up of a lot of guys that can kill penalties. Uh, it was really nice seeing guys like Brandon Hagel get some shorthanded time tonight. I'll buy albeit not much, but you know, he, he was out there for quite a bit of it. David Kampf obviously is a staple on that. Uh Jan Mark, again, we joke with the JC Trust circle. He is absolutely there, uh playing both PK and power play time and playing well over twenty minutes. I think he's what one of four forwards uh for the Hawks tonight to play over twenty minutes. So um you know, nice seeing those guys. And again, a lot of guys in this team that really fit that PK model. And uh, if this, you know, you might not have that stud two units like every team has, quote unquote. But if you can do it by committee and be, you know, a top 15, you know, PK in this league with what could easily be a top 10 power play. Even if it's a rough year, it's nice knowing that your special teams units are clicking. And that just sets you up well for the future than when the talent continues to develop and grow and you know, ultimately this roster actually blooms into something that is competitive on the ice. Most certainly, Ron. I would agree with you. So uh, as we move on uh, through the timeline in the third period, unfortunately, uh, some bad puck luck for the Blackhawks results in the Canes taking the lead. Um, off a faceoff play, uh, Canes won it cleanly, uh, comes back to the point, and Murphy blocks a shot. 
uh, but it bounces right out to the right wing. Vincent Trocheck, uh, who makes no doubt, buries it. We talked about it. Uh, if you listen to the last episode on Sunday night, what do we say? Vincent Trocheck is lighting the world on fire. Guess what? When you're doing that, uh, a lot of the times uh, you'll get the right bounces. He got just that. Fired it past. Lankanen had no chance. That makes it 3-2 here. Um, but... Uh, you know, despite the Blackhawks uh, being completely uh, outshot in the third period, I believe it, you know, like one point it was, uh, it ended up being 17-6, but at the, this juncture it was probably closer to about 12-4 to four or something like this. The second line comes through again. I talked about those guys generating offense. Uh, Kubelik to Kat to Strom. Uh, the, once again, uh, capitalizing off of Kane's uh, kind of, you know, fuck up, so to say. Uh, it was a little bit of a tanglement in, in the corner as Kubelik was circling the left boards, uh, comes behind the net, feeds it to Cat, and Cat uh, had had the vision to see that uh, Carolina was scrambling to get back into position after uh, two of their own guys collided with each other. Feeds Strom right in the low slot. Boom. Uh, this is a tie game, Ron. Yeah, um, what a play. I mean, let's just dissect it for what it is. I mean, that play was incredible. Uh, As you mentioned, Kubelik really strong on the forecheck there, able to get the puck back, uh, send it over to to Kat. Kat makes no mistake that Erie Otter's connection is still very strong. Hits Dylan Strom right in the front of the net. Perfect play by Strom, too. Great shot choice. Obviously knew where to put it uh, in order to beat Reimer and tie this game up. And I'll tell you what, like you said, I mean, the superior team tonight. If you look at the Corsi numbers, the Hurricanes dominated play in that second and third period, but the Hawks did not quit. They did not fold. They did not cower over. And I think that is something that is very different than the last few seasons of Blackhawks hockey. And I think, Johnny, I think you would agree with that. You know, a lot of times in games when this team would be, you know, be playing superior opponents like the Carolina Hurricanes, they were down, you know, at the 650 mark of the third period, they would just kind of give up. And it, they wouldn't play the same, you know, they wouldn't even get good opportunities on net, whatever. This Hawks team, they're young, they're hungry, they want it, they, they're all out to prove something. Hell, they're playing for roster spots at this point, you know, it's going to be a tough year. And it, it's nice seeing that fight and that grit, and again, the line that we talked about in that second period, that, yeah, they're not a defensive, you know, guru line by any means, but hey, if they're going to put up goals like they did tonight, um, you know, it, it might be a worth the experiment uh, if I'm JC. And uh, yeah, nice seeing Strom get back on the score sheet again. A guy that I'm, I really think for him it's a prove it year, and I'm hoping at some point to have a little bit of a, a writing sample piece out on ontapsportsnet.com about that. But I mean, great, great setup from them. Obviously, again, Cat gets his second assist of the night. You know, good to see him back. Kubalik also two helpers on the night. That's a great goal just for not only for the individual guys on it, but just the team as a whole to tie it up. Like you said, against the superior team, <laughs> I feel like that should be the, the title of the episode, the superior team. But, <laughs> you know, it just it's it's really nice seeing those guys come through like they did. And, you know, you know, getting this game to where it was and they and they pushed hard and they gave it a legitimate chance to. I argued the Hawks had a chance to win this thing even before extra time. So the fact they pushed it ultimately to extra time. Uh, again, silver linings. It's a season of silver linings. Most definitely, Ron. Uh, that's, you know, unfortunately a situation that we're in, but uh, we knew it coming in. So uh, it should not come as a shock to anyone. Um, after this, though, the Carolina Hurricanes started to 
pour it on uh, with chances uh, after this game was tied. Kevin Lankinen just holds strong through it all, man. Uh, whether it's rush chances coming through into his crease, um, you know, there was uh, Shmashkov and Aho with back-to-back chances there, um, and he made another save on a shot after that, maybe like a three-save sequence in maybe about 12 seconds. Um, just a- unbelievable stuff uh, from Kevin Lankinen here. Uh, what's calling card, Ron? Cool, calm, collected Kevin. Very much so down the stretch. Um, last uh, kind of chance for the Hawks was uh, Stahl. Got away with the hooking penalty. If Strom was driving to the net, um, and you saw it go all the way up in arms. Uh, he was, you know, barking at the ref after that. Um, that definitely should have been a call, um, but, hey, they were letting the boys play, and uh, unfortunately they're not going to see every single one of them. Um, so that, you know, maybe could have given the Hawks a chance down the stretch, but, uh, man, Lankanen was just so huge uh, down the home stretch in the third period to even get this thing uh, to let the Blackhawks go to overtime and gain a point in this one, Ron. Yeah, Kevin Lankanen, again, just another really beautiful story that's come out of this season so far. He's been so good, continues to be so good. Um, I was joking with Tony uh, just, you know, during that game. We were, you know, we happened to be on a quick FaceTime, you know, talking about some things with some other guys. And, you know, he was like, Kevin Lankanen is just cool and tough. And, yes, he is cool and tough. But he's cool, cool, tough, and he's composed. And I think that's the thing that gets me as him as a, you know, Blackhawks goaltender. We joke about the the Delia flail. We joke about Subban looking like every time he takes a save, it just he looks like it's a fight for his life. Kevin Lankanen just sits there and he looks like an OG. And he's just like, yeah, what's up? What's ever, you know. Oh, you have a great chance coming down the wing. Scoop. There's the glove. Oh, you got a great chance coming this way. Scoop. There's the left pad. Oh, really? You really think you got me on a breakaway? Boop. Poke check. It's like the Mark Andre Fleury commercial for McDonald's back in like 2003. Poke check. I mean, yeah. that's just literally what I think of a Kevin Lincoln. And yeah. it's just again so great to see that out of a Blackhawks goaltender. Literally, I mean, Johnny. Did we not talk about this on the preview show of this season? Like, holy fuck, who's going to be the goaltender this year? Mm -hmm. How are they going to get through? And yet, that's arguably been one of the brighter spots of this team so far with Kevin Lincoln in the net. It's amazing what a good goaltender can do for you. Uh, just good goalie play in general, and you're seeing it on full display. And it makes him not look like a rookie, uh, but he is. And that just makes, at the end of the day, what he's doing uh, all, all that more impressive. So uh, good, good goalie play, uh, bottom line, uh, can make a team look that much better. And that's what Kevin Lankin has done for the Hawks so far. So huge uh, tip of the hockey helmet to uh, Mr. Lankin. And let's, let's move on over time. You mentioned this score right now, 3-3. Three, three. Uh, as we go in here, um, just my first initial thought from overtime is you're missing Taves big time. So many overtime winners as he had, um, you know, he's a good two way player. Obviously, you need those and he's got some speed so you can pick up on the rush uh, when you need him there. Um, Kane and Cat both had some good looks. Uh, I think Lankin ended up making five saves in overtime. He also used the poke check. Once again, uh, for the second time this game, uh, after the Hawks got caught in a little bit of a change. And, um, you know, his awareness, too, because Shvechikov was uh, coming behind the net at one point looking for a signature move. Um, he, you know, I don't think he would have gotten the handle on it to be able to do it. But Lankanen has the awareness, Ron, to put the shoulder up uh, to the top corner uh, of the post uh, where, like, or excuse me, where Shvechikov was going to go. So um, just even more uh, things to be impressed at uh, by Kevin Lincoln. I feel like we're just gushing over him, and it's like, are we ever going to say anything bad about him? He hasn't given us anything to say bad about him. It's true. It's true. I mean, I'll tell you what. You know, 
like you said, just his his awareness on the ice, the things you can tell he's a guy that prepares because let's be frank, the only other player I think in the last two seasons that's attempted the Michigan goal is Sidney Crosby, and that just happened in the last like day or so. Um, he tried to do it on the backhand, but overall, Svechnikov has made a living of being able to do that on the ice, and so it, it good you know good film study by Kevin Lankinen, knowing that hey, this guy's on the ice, he's behind the net. I got to make sure I cover those top corners in order for to to keep that from working for him. So, you know, like you said, we we sit here and we gush over liking it, but he just he keeps giving us things to gush over because we again we thought this year Blackhawks goaltending was not going to be good. They let go of Crawford and he ultimately retired. They traded Leonard. They they got rid of their legitimate NHL goaltenders. We didn't know who was going to be the guy coming into the season, and Lankinen just continues to run away with it as the guy and again, prove the fans that this guy might be legit. I'll tell you what, he's on a one year deal. If I remember correctly, if the Hawks sign him to some type of bridge contract to three years at a fairly decent amount to be the guy, it's going to be really hard to not want to buy a number 32 Lincoln in Jersey. I'm telling you right now, John, <laughs> I love it, Ron already planning that out. Um, that's good. I mean, it, it, the early returns uh, are excellent so far. So, uh, like I mentioned, we've, if you listen to four feathers here on these post game shows, I've said, it, um, beyond the play on the ice, it's the, the demeanor, the way he carries himself, the confidence that he wants to be the number one guy here, certainly proving it with his play. So, um, that ended, uh, nothing going in overtime, obviously three, three goes to a shootout and, and uh, as we roll down this, only one guy scored. So I'll just read off the guys that didn't. Uh, Debrinkit, no. <laughs> Hamilton, no. Kane, no. Trocek, no. Strom, no. Shneshikov, yes. Uh, finally gets him on that. He is just a skilled guy. Uh, kind of fancy handiwork there uh, by him. He beats him. Uh, you can't be mad at Lankanen, though, because you shouldn't have even been in overtime if it wasn't for him. So um, nice. my only thought from shootout is, once again, you're missing Jonathan Taves. Uh, you're missing your leadoff five-hole guy. Everyone in the league knows. Every goalie that, that's watched this thing knows that Jonathan Taves would go five-hole. And you'd still do it and score on him. Um, you're missing that to give you the one up uh, in the shootout period, right? I don't know if you have any thoughts before we move into final observations and get to uh, Thursday's game. Yeah, just quickly echoing what you said about Jonathan Taves. I mean, I think because he has become so good at that five hole move that when t- if you're a goalie, either you totally overcommit to the five hole move and expose everything else, or you give him the five hole and dare him to go there. And yet somehow, I think, I don't know what his career average is. I know it's over 50% though. <laughs> somehow one out of every two fucking times, Jonathan Taves picks his spot and gets it done. So hopefully we see the captain back at some point this year. Um, I know the reports came out recently that the rumors that were surfacing around aren't true, which if that's the case, thank God, because the rumors were not good. Um, so hopefully the captain's good. Hopefully he's back soon because I would love to see him lead off there. Then Patrick Kane. And nothing against Dylan Strome, but then allowed to bring it maybe to be the third shooter in that situation. But like you said, Sveshnikov, skilled guy. If it wasn't for Lankinen, they're not even there in the fucking first place. He still makes, what, 38 saves on 41 shots tonight. You can't fault the kid for fucking a great performance against arguably, you know, what, probably the second best team in the Central Division this year. So um, good on the Hawks. Some silver linings. And like you said, we'll uh, we'll break it down a little bit here, kind of in the extended period, and then preview Thursday's game. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll get into observations. Um, I, I guess one of these uh, could, could be bleeding over into it, but um, resilience. I think that's a theme uh, that needs to be discussed here because, like you'd, uh, you know, kind of touched on a little bit, um, j- just the previous years might be a rollover and die mentality. Um, you know, obviously, always actively trying to win the game. These guys are professionals, yeah, but the the mentality and the effort level and the, you know, the, maybe Kublik wouldn't be as hard on the forecheck since he's an offensive guy and just wants the shot. Um, um, at least that's how he can be perceived. Um, no, he, he's going around and shoveling it to Debrinket and who sets up Strom out in front, and that being one of the you know Blackhawks' few handful of shots uh, in the third period, them to be able to come back, and especially against a team that plays so well in transition uh, like Carolina, take advantage of their opportunities. Um, and then you know another thing is being opportunistic for me, Ron, uh, and that's like I said. Carolina had a couple uh, screw-ups tonight. There was that Slavin turnover that led to Kane being wide open in the slot, and then there was that uh, tangle-up by their defenseman over along the half walls uh, on that goal that I was just talking about, Strom's goal. Um, But bad teams would not take advantage of that. And I'm not saying the Blackhawks are a good, great team by any means, um, but they are at least hungry and they're um, cognizant enough to go ahead and do that. Whereas a Detroit Red Wings team of last year wouldn't even be able to take advantage of that because they wouldn't even be in the fucking offensive zone. Um, So, you know, just kind of small things for me. Yeah. uh, Kind of overarching general stuff. Um, But it's, you know, it'd be so much worse and we could be uh, beating our heads against the wall uh, if this was just an absolutely non-competitive game, Ron. So uh, I guess those are kind of my final takeaways that. And uh, I've liked what I've seen uh, for clearing the house when you're talking about these um, Carolina goals. One bad puck luck. uh, The others, you know, it it wasn't completely the fault of, uh, you know, blatant chances like a uh, onslaught complete like, oh, this is the fifth, sixth chance against Lankin in there. Uh, It was just a couple like lapses in coverage. And those happen all the time. And guess what? When they don't go in the back of the net, you probably don't realize it. But when Bodine and Zadorov get sucked off to one side, which has probably happened with Dehan and Murphy, say if they're the ones out there, probably yeah. happened a time or two before. But if it don't go in the back of the net, you don't really notice it. Well, guess what? They were the ones early on in that first goal that got sucked over. And Suter, uh, a young guy, being the forward low on that one at the center spot, um, they get beat there. So it's it's just not as sloppy. I feel like they were much sloppier last year defensively. Um, so I do have to give Jeremy Collin a little bit of credit here, I guess, in my final observations, Ron. Um, and that is just getting these guys to commit to doing that and coming back down low. And it's also on the work ethic of the players, but still, I mean, hey, that obviously wasn't stressed enough last year. So that can be a fault on Colleton last year. But, hey, credit to all of them as a unit the whole team coaching staff for making set adjustments. So that's it long winded, but I'll hand it over to you. Well, Johnny, the fact that I am not the only four feathers uh, crew member here defending this coaching staff is a fucking miracle. And I am here for it. Um, But no, I think you brought up a lot of good points and I I echo all of those. I think just to add to that, um, you know, we're, we're continuing to learn who is in the JC trust circle. I think that's a very common theme out of this one. Obviously Patrick Kane, Nobody should be surprised by 88 playing almost 25 minutes of ice time tonight. Let's be fucking frank. But uh, nice seeing Debrinket come back, play 22 minutes of ice time. Obviously, a little bit of that being extended. He played two minutes of that, uh, or a little over that on the power play. Janmark, over 20 minutes on the night. Again, we joked. He is in the JC Trust Circle. It's only temporary, folks, because he will be traded at the deadline. Don't get your panties in a bunch. No big deal. 
Uh, Dylan Strom, same thing, over 20 minutes of ice time. I would like to see Strom's face-off numbers be a little higher, only 30% tonight. But, again, he did score a goal, so I can't be too mad at him about that. But I will say this, I felt great about Kurashev. Uh, again, 16 and a half minutes of ice time for him. He did score that goal. Yay me, my stick-to-click did not look terrible. And uh, But my biggest thing, here's my biggest thing, and this is this is kind of why I wanted to save some wind out of my chest to get to this point, is... Nicholas Bodine, uh, you know, third most amount of minutes uh, defensively uh, for defensemen tonight. 20 minutes, just over. A uh, minute and a half of that on the power play. It's all great and dandy. And I'm here for it. Again, young guys, give these kids a chance to learn, let them develop. That's great and dandy. If Ian Mitchell is only going to play 14 minutes of ice time, send him down to the fucking ice hogs, please. Because let him go down to the ice hogs. Same thing with Bokefist. If you think that's going to be the same case with Bokefist, let them go down to the ice hogs, be on a pairing together, play 25 to 28 minutes a fucking night and develop and learn and make mistakes. And it's okay because nobody's going to give a shit at the end of the day because it's a 30 game or 24 game AHL season. Let these guys go down and learn. Let Carlson and Bodine be your third pairing young guys that learn this year. Cause Carlson doesn't look that awful. Truth be told. I know it's probably a hot take. Oh, but he's, he's unproven. Oh God. How are you going to trust him? You know, you get the fucking Scrooge as a Blackhawks Twitter, but it just, he's looked better than, you know, uh, Mitchell's looked good, don't get me wrong, but they clearly don't trust Mitchell. He played, he's had, what, one game, Johnny? Over 18 minutes so far this year? Or even over 16 minutes. Fuck, I yeah, could it probably... Was, it was just last game that was, like, yeah. what, 16-something? In the upper I've, 16s? I think that's what we were talking about last one. Yeah, and I finally, and we were like, oh, thank God. And that, it was a, you know... Ron, I don't mean to cut you off here, but no, that, you know, now that I think back on that, that may be a product of Carlson sustaining that injury too, because Carlson Maybe. only played like eight or something like that yeah. last game. So Bodine, or excuse me, Mitchell's numbers get up there, so that could not have even that, that might not have just been out of necessity, not even out of right. oh, we, we want to see you out there. I don't know, you know, it's just the factor that goes in there. I just had to jump in with that because the numbers kind of came rushing back to me as yeah. you brought that up. No, and I, 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 Johnny, I'm happy you brought up that point because I think it's an excellent point, right? Like, if you clearly don't trust this kid to play big minutes, you're you're hurting his development to me. And at least the one thing, I don't mean to open sore wounds, blah, 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 whatever. But at least with Yoki Haru, Joe Quenville was at least lo- willing to let him play big minutes on that top, you know, that top unit with Duncan Keith and learn. And obviously that was out of Q's element, whatever. But like, if you are uncomfortable with Ian Mitchell and Bokefist playing big minutes, then just don't have them play at all at the NHL level. Let them go down to Rockford. Let them work on their shit. It's not the end of the fucking world if Ian Mitchell and Bokefist aren't on your roster. Like, I think that's the thing that this front office needs to understand. It's like, I think as a fan, I'm going to appreciate it more if Ian Mitchell and Bokefist go down and play 28 minutes a night. You know what I mean? Like, I want to see that. I want to be subscribed into AHL TV and watching that. Instead of watching Ian Mitchell play fucking under 14 minutes of ice time. Like, clearly they have more confidence in Bodine. And I think, I think Bodin, you know, did good. Bodine, Bodin. Bodin, excuse me. I think, you know, I think Nicholas Bodin did Slick Nick. There you go. Keep it real easy. Yeah, Slick, Slick Nick. Nick. Yeah, I think Slick Nick did a lot of good things tonight. I really do. And clearly he earned Carlton's trust. He played a lot in overtime, which I think is huge. To me, if you are a defenseman playing in overtime, you have the coach's trust. Like, you have to. Because you are the only one out on the ice. You are the last mm-hmm. line of defense. So let Bo- let Bodan, let Carlson, let these guys that are maybe a little farther along in the development process, 
play those, you know, fifth and sixth defenseman minutes on any given night and let Ian Mitchell and let Adam Boakfist go down to Rockford, work on their craft for 24 to 30 games, however many the AHL is able to get in this year between COVID cases slash scheduling, whatever. Let those guys go down and make as many motherfucking mistakes as they want. And I say motherfucking mistakes because they need to, it's literally the case of like, you're going to learn if you screw up, right? And they can do it at a level that it's not going to impact the NHL level. It's not going to impact ticket sales. It's not going to impact anything. The Rockford Ice Hawks have a very dedicated fan base. I I give very big credit to the Ice Hawks fans because they are a good fan base. There's a lot of very strong fan bases in the AHL, and a lot of them are in the Midwest. I think Chicago Wolves, Rockford Ice Hogs are two of those, and you can catch all coverage of those two teams over at OnTapSports.com. But nonetheless, I need Ian Mitchell and Adam Bocas down in Rockford learning because if you are only going to play Ian Mitchell 14 minutes, and Stan was up here last year going, he's ready for the NHL, ha, ha, ha. (laughs) What the flying... Fuck, like, dude. No, clearly he's not. But like, that's what drives me nuts. And I, I, I'm just, I will, I want you to chime in, Johnny, because I really do. But like, if that's gonna be the fucking case, just let him go down. It's okay. Fans are not going to fucking call for your headstand. Believe it or not, we've been calling for it for years, and you haven't gone anywhere. It's fine. You're fine. You're not going anywhere. Let Ian Mitchell go down and develop. Let Adam Bokfus go down and develop. Let these guys be your long-term future. They don't need to be succeeding right now at the NHL level. Let them go develop their game at the AHL level. They can come back in a year, year and a half, dominate the NHL level, and then we'll all be happy. Just let them go down. Let the other young guys work in with this group. Let Seabrook work in yep. when he's fucking yep. healthy. And, hey, fuck it. Well, Let's just keep going and moving hey, on. Yeah, not to discredit anything, but uh, just another name that could uh, help bolster your point, I guess, is uh, Wyatt Kalinuk. Uh, yes. Next time, too. And he was a four year yes. guy at Madison. So, um, you know, yeah. he is one that was probably more ahead of those uh, other two. Yeah. Um, my other point, though, uh, just to follow up on something that you said, is uh, Stan Bowman, um, him saying that last year, thinking Ian Mitchell, you know, could have gone pro last year after sophomore year at Denver. That was the remaining John McDonough. It was still yeah. uh, leaving his brain. Uh, it was, you know, because it was implanted deep. It, it had to be implanted deep because he's the guy, you know, uh, who's nose, nosing his way in um, into the hockey ops when he has no business there. Um, but either way, it's like a disease, like a virus, like, uh, you know, it, it takes a little bit for it to, like, uh, filter out of the system. So yes. um, Stan, Stan Bowman, I advise you, uh, like me and Ron are doing it. I go drink a bunch of beers, uh, piss all that John McDonough out of your, you know, system. And let's let's get cut to the chase to get set these guys up. Uh, best chance for development because guess what? Rockford season shorter, those guys can come back up after. Um, so you know, we'll uh, we'll discuss as it goes forward, Ron. I I appreciate uh, the passion in your rant there, though. Um, I'm glad we got it and aired it out here a little bit longer post game show. Um, but since the second of a back to back, not too much to preview. Um, because this is a team we just saw tonight uh, in the Carolina Hurricanes. Next matchup will be Thursday, February 4th, 7 p.m. Central Time on NBC Sports Chicago. Hawks now sit at three, four, and four after tonight. Canes up to six, one, and oh. Um, would be nice to hand them another, uh, you know, digit in that second column there, Ron. Uh, hopefully they can get it done on uh, Thursday night. But um, let's get a stick to click. Uh, who do you think is going to get it done? Obviously, yours tonight, Kershev. Uh, very well done there. Soderberg, once again, close again uh, on mine. Uh, just close. But, you know, close only counts on horseshoes and hand grenades. I love that saying. I'll use it on myself right there. So, anyway, hit me with the stick to click. 
Yeah, don't forget atom bombs, Johnny, because that also can uh, be included in your your little so close with the uh, the horseshoes and the hand grenades. But yeah, I think Soderbergh's a guy that's really close. Um, I again was very pleased with my Kurashev. He only had one shot on goal, so it's nice that it went in uh, tonight. But a guy, he's back. He's fucking back. COVID protocols can't hold him down. I don't give a shit that he's five foot six. I don't give a shit that he was considered too tiny to make it in the NHL, whatever. Alex Dabrinkit is on a fucking mission this season, Johnny. And I know I'm using a lot of F-bombs right now, but it's for emphasis. Alex Dabrinkit is here to prove to people that he's a fucking legitimate hockey player. He's not just a supplementary guy. No, he is a guy that you can build around. He can be a part of your core. And number 12 is fucking proven it this season. And I am going to take Alex Dabrinkit after a two-assist night after not playing for four straight games. With barely any practice, he just he participated in just today's morning skate and played 22 minutes of ice time and had two assists with four shots on goal, and he was a plus one. Give me number 12 on Thursday night to do some damage. I love Alex Dabrinkit against his Canes team on Thursday night. You know what else he's doing, Ron? He's proven he's worth the fucking money. That's what he yes. was on a war path to do as Thank well. And God. that is good for him and that is good for black the blackhawks team and that is good for blackhawks fans i love it i'm going with his buddy mr dylan strome who potted one tonight Ooh. thanks to alex to absolutely that second line like i mentioned defensive liability if they get a d-zone start but hey you send those guys out uh, as you're retrieving possession of the puck ozone start as you like to call it fuck they're going to generate chances they did it multiple times tonight you saw it it was noticeable it resulted in a goal on one occasion resulted in a few other chances it's going to happen again on thursday night um i I like it let's go with the erie otters connection ron you got to bring it i got strom let's ride let's ride into thursday night and we're getting a goddamn winner on thursday night we haven't done enough of this on four feathers here ron i know we've done a lot of breaking down prospects silver linings all that it's time to get back to some assertive ways here blackhawks are beating the canes in regulation i'm calling it right now let's go all right before we close this thing out go to ontapsportsnet.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Four Feathers Pod at Ontap Sportsnet. If you enjoy the podcast, go subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. We hope you enjoyed this long-winded, rant-filled post-game show. Uh, Ron, it was a lot of fun to do with you tonight, man. Uh, you got a final line for me before we uh, hit our usual phrase and send it out? I sure do, Johnny. Always a pleasure doing these with you. Uh, they're always a good time. Good competitive Hawks game tonight. They came up a little short, but like you said, we're speaking of fucking winning new existence on Thursday night, and I am ready for it. Let's go, Hawks. Let's go, Hawks.